Today's episode is dedicated to the life and legacy of Theodore Gaffney. On Easter Sunday, the legendary photographer died of complications from COVID-19. Theodore Gaffney was the accompanying photographer on the first Freedom Rides back in 1961. Welcome to another special episode of Quarantine Nightly with Mouse Jones. Today is Friday, April the 24th. So, as you guys know, um, we're doing the news, and I'm 100% dedicated to delivering news to the, our community that we care about and need to know. Um, so, that may be cultural news, that may be political news, it, it doesn't matter. But on Friday specifically, I'm going to do these deep dive, almost documentary like episodes where I sit down and discuss one issue or maybe with one person. Um, this Friday, today, um, we have the pleasure of sitting with um, one of the greatest orators our culture has ever seen. Um, some people refer to him as Tack Stone, some people refer to him uh, by Daryl Campbell. Currently, um, he's referred to as inmate 00656, um, yet and still, um, those prison walls does not stop his voice from uh, reaching the masses. Um, as we've seen, he just had a, uh interview with NPR. Um, he has the letter, these letters that he puts out on Instagram that reach, reach the world even earlier this year when he was um, housed at a um, federal correction facility, um, and there was the, the power outage, and there, there was just... Uh, a complete blaring lack of of care for these inmates civil rights he brought um he brought noti- notoriety to that um we talk about that we talk about his current mindset we talk about his plans for when he finally gets out um and a whole bunch of other things i just think this is something that you guys definitely want to hear i know people want to hear from him and uh it's definitely a conversation that needs to be heard, so it will be heard. So, but before you tune in, before you guys get into that, make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you're commenting. Make sure you're rating. Quarantine nightly with Mouse Jones. If you're listening, make sure you hit the subscribe subscribe button right after you listen to the episode. Make sure you sit, put a comment in there, and right after that, make sure you give it a rating. Five stars would be nice. If there is a news story I missed, if you feel like there's a story that our community needs to hear, make sure you email quarantinenightly at gmail.com before 1 p.m. Eastern. Once again, that is quarantinenightly at gmail.com before 1 p.m. Eastern. Okay, so um, like I always ask, uh, pray for me as I pray for you. And the next thing you will hear is my conversation with Taxstone. Now listen, I'm I'm just trying to I'm trying to keep it together out here. You know, I'm trying to just keep the keep the flag bearing for the be safe though side. I ain't mad at you. Cookies and some apple juice. <laughs> now, first and foremost though, I definitely want to say thank you. I don't know if I say it enough or whenever we whenever we have the chance to chop it up, but I definitely want to say thank you um for, for everything you did for me on the outside and even on the inside. Um I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for your help. So I appreciate you offer it. Always, man. I appreciate you too. That's likewise, man. You know, 
we gotta use each other out here. That's what it's about. Not misuse each other. You dig? That's a fact. Um, and I know, like, like I be going through it in my own head. I be like, damn, I wanna go check on beloved, but it's like I can't see you like that. You feel what I'm saying? Like, I can't see you in no cage because that's not how I met you, and that's not the uh, that's not the way that you helped me. Like, I can't see you in a cage, especially over a rat. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, well, you know, that shit ain't about nothing. Like, I ain't gonna be in this cage for too long. You know, in life, you know, you know, it's just periods. You know, certain things happen and it pause things, you know what I mean? Some things slow things up, but it never lasts, you know what I mean? The rain never lasts. That's a fact. That's a fact. Well, I definitely appreciate you calling. Um, I don't know if Alex told you everything like I'm doing. Like, I, I, I use this time to, like, kind of make a pivot. And instead of just doing the regular old... um. Oh, I talk shit about this. I talk shit about this. I just started doing the news straight up, like just doing the news, and now, and that, yeah, basically that's what I'm doing now. So, um, I do a I do a little interview, um, that obviously engages the people, but right before that, I run through the news just like any other reporter. So I'm gonna just. Uh, no, that's official. I feel like at this time right now, anybody that's not trying to learn something or try something new during this during this time right here where you're confined and you're supposed to be quarantined, like you're supposed to be trying to do something because at the end of this quarantine, right, what is going to be everybody's excuse, right, that they didn't get anything done while they was on Instagram looking at successful people goof around all day? What is going to be your reason that you didn't succeed? You know what I mean? Because you were still trying to watch people that were already successful when you could have actually been training yourself during this period of quarantine. A motherfucker use an hour out a day each day and learn something that they might have wanted to learn if you didn't know how to make lasagna nigga learn while you on this quarantine learn something don't waste your time just watching people all day because you know what you're gonna be a professional watcher a professional follower just like most of these people you understand what i'm saying so you gotta use this period to do something different and that's why when she told me that you was doing something different i was like that's good because i have this discussion with so many people every day including my mother my family what are y'all doing during this moment like learn something new don't take this time out to just watch the news or watch instagram or come up with clever memes about the quarantine all that shit is goofy because at the end of the day when you get back to what you was doing just like i said before it even really got serious what's gonna be the excuse because what was the excuse last year and what was the excuse the year before i don't want to hear the coronavirus is your excuse that you didn't start anything new or or learn something new at least you understand so you could start something new you know what i mean so you said you said I'm currently in my grave with my eyes open, dirt up to my neck, getting dizzy as the world turns. With yeah, indeed. How? Like how? Like that? Like I remember reading that, and I just said how? Right? Like there was no, there was no like clever breakdown analyst of it. I wasn't savvy enough to understand. That's why I'm like how? Like how do you? Because that's not what you give us, right? Like those times where you'll call me and. And, and we'll be laughing and joking. Even when we open up this call, we laughing and joking. But there's the juxtaposition where you're still feeling like you're in your grave with your eyes open. How? Well, I felt like I was in my grave from the moment that I got here. See, being in jail is a form of death because you get to watch everyone else um, 
doing what they want to do while you can't do what you want to do. You know, there's certain things that I still can do from here and I still do from here that other people can't do on the outside, but I still don't get to do what I want to do every day. I still would like to actually enjoy some Duce every day. You know what I mean? I've acquired some Duce here and there since I've been down. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> but, you know, I would like to have it every day. You know what I mean? I'm a Duce connoisseur. So it's like, what, what, what it is, when I really write these letters, I'm not really writing from my standpoint all the time. I'm writing from other people that's around me. It's a lot of people that's around me that can't bear this cumbersome, this cumbersome feeling. Like, this, it's too heavy for them to hold. And I watch them. Like, I'm mentally fit, and I train myself mentally every day. And I even go see mental health sometimes so I can have somebody to talk to because it's not too many people in here I could talk to that understands me. You know, so... My thing is, is that so many people are going through shit and you see them crying every day. You, they finding out that their parents died while they in here. They finding out they can't go to the funeral. And just like I said, this shit is a grave. When you in jail, you literally get to watch everybody outside live their life the way they would like to live it. You understand? Mm. Even though, just like I said, I'm mentally free. I don't really feel like I'm in jail because I'm mentally free. There's people that are on the outside that are not mentally free and they don't realize it. You know what I mean? Because just like I said, some of them are just sitting in the house all day judging people all day. They're like professional judges. You know, just like I wrote a letter about about Pop Smoke and about just just being you and doing you. And the, the basis of the whole letter was like, yo, man, you can't be thinking about these people who egg you on to do things, who egg you on to, to do negative shit. And the only thing is, is that the result of the negative shit is they say, yo, he was stupid. Um... He was smart. He was gangster. He was dumb. The thing is, none of their opinions matter. It don't matter what they said about you. You understand? Because at the end of the day, you have to deal with it. So that was just a part of things that I, I had to get out because I just was like, yo, it just feels sad. When I watched every interview, I seen Pop Smoke with, I seen a hundred dudes behind him. The videos, a whole bunch of people leeching on to this man. You know what I mean? I hear him say, Mike and Mary, Mike and Mary, Christian Dior, Dior. I wonder if Mike and Mary or Christian Dior came to his funeral. You mm. understand? Mm. Because the people that we celebrate so much, especially in black culture, they don't care about us. They don't care. So my whole point is care about who care about you. Care about your circle, your immediate family, the people that you really got to call. Because there's a lot of dudes in here that are, that are in gangs. And they was gangbanging heavy out there. But they can't call home and get $10 from the gangbanger. They have to call their mother, the person who they actually was neglecting every day. The person who actually just wanted to sit down and watch a movie with him one night. He had to run out and go spend that money on a strip or a bartender. You know what I mean? And those people are actually mentally in prison because they think that that's freedom. Them running out every night, giving money to the women that, that don't care about them. And then when they get into this grave right here, no one brings them flowers. No one says, yo, here's some flowers for your grave. No one says, yo, let me go over there and just talk to him real fast and give him a peace of mind. Let him know I'm thinking about about them. You know what I mean? They leave you for dead. So that's why I said I'm in the grave right now watching the world turn. You understand? Getting dizzy because at the same time as I'm watching the world turn, I'm realizing how many people are actually mentally imprisoned out there because nothing improves in their life. I've come home right now. I've been locked up since January 16th, 2017, right? Martin Luther King Day. Yeah. Now, I come outside right now. There are going to be people that I know that still have the same furniture. They still have the same job. Nothing has progressed in their life. The only thing that might have changed is the outfits. 
You know what I mean? I could guarantee that's probably the only thing to change. You know what I mean? I'm not in the followers. I'm not in the following. I'm in the setting trends. I'm not in the dead trends. A lot of these people follow every trends. I just had a discussion with an officer and I said, my nigga, let me ask you a question. And, 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 at what time did men start needing man purses? Because we've been around how many years? Thousands of years and we've never needed purses. We survived off of our pockets. Now, I remember seeing Charlemagne always come to work when we was at MTV and Viacom with, with a book bag. Mm -hmm. And then I understood why he had a book bag. He had a change of clothes. He had cocoa butter for his skin. He had nail clippers to keep his nails clean. And this was all understandable. You're in television. So what I was trying to figure out, what is the purpose of a man having a purse on in a nightclub? And then somebody told me, yo, it's because niggas be having that bag on them. So I said, well, I'm, exactly how much money do you have on you? I'm going to need you to write it down for me. Write it down for me, bro. Uh, so basically, I'm gonna need you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need the, um, I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need to know why do you need this person in the middle of the club? I feel like people just follow trends for no reason. Now, I can understand if a man has a laptop, a tablet on him, some books, some extra things. This is what book bags were for. This is what carry-ons were for. This is what duffel bags were for. But I'm still trying to understand the man purse, and I won't wear one until I realize what it's for. Because we never needed one. The money went in our pockets. We had wallets in our back pocket, front pocket, however you like to carry it. Right. What is the need of the man purse? I still don't know. And I'm not knocking nobody to wear it. I'm just trying to figure out why. Everything is a reason. I know why the women need their purse. They got Summer's Eve wipes. They got <laughs> makeup. They got uh, extra scarf. They got whatever else they got in there. Um, nail polish remover. Nail polish. They got a whole bunch of stuff that they need. I need to know what does the man need now that it caused him to have a purse. You understand what I'm saying? That's so. So I'm, as I'm as I was reading this letter, something else stuck out to me. Um, so I'm gonna read it verbatim. You said understandable, considering what's going on. But what I don't understand is how the only people we have contact with on the outside. The correctional officers and civilians have no protective gear and they aren't giving us anything to protect themselves or uh, protect ourselves. What I get. So so when I read that, once again, same thing. I said, how? Because through that. And it's not just because you my man. I'm, I'm reading that. I'm like, yo, this nigga is deep. Like this nigga. To me, it's like this nigga is still having empathy for the, the, the correctional officers and the civilians that work there, even though. At times, or most times, the paint the picture is always painted as this very adversarial type of relationship between inmates and and correctional officers. So, so once again, I ask you, how how do you even have that empathy for them, or is it just common sense saying they well, got? First of all, I'm a, I'm a human. At the end of the day, I'm not a hateful person. I don't hate nobody. I dislike certain people, and I dislike certain correctional officers, but I also like certain correctional officers. Everybody's not a bad person. This is what you give out. But the point is, is that what I was trying to explain to some of the correctional officers in the very beginning is that, do you understand that they're not even giving you anything to protect yourself? And we actively have a house quarantine next to us. My house was actually quarantined the other day 
because somebody came out with a high fever and he had to go get tested and all of this shit. My point is is that the, the, the Department of Corrections, the head of the Department of Corrections didn't care about anybody. They only care about the check. We're a check to them at the end of the day. They don't really give a fuck about the crimes they committed. They don't they don't fight the crime. They just here to hold you in jail. So my point is is that they don't care about the correction officers either because correction officers are still coming in here catching it. Not sure if they're catching it here or at home, but they're catching it. So how don't you give them protective care? They gave us one PPE mask um a month ago. We got one. Now the other day they gave us another one and two days ago. Three days later, they gave us another one. Now, this is only three in the whole entire pandemic. Now, my thing is this. If we are checked, that you, we are checked for you guys. Why y'all not protecting us? Y'all don't need us to die. Y'all need us to live so y'all can keep eating. Because the more people die in here and get released from prison, who the fuck is going to be the correction officers? It ain't going to be none. You understand? So none of that shit makes no sense. And that's why I was trying to explain to them the Department of Corrections don't even care about them. You know, after I wrote that letter, several officers told me that the higher up spoke to them about that letter. Like, yo, we have to wear a mask now because of this guy who wrote this letter. He's kind of popular and got this out to the media. And they asked officers like, yo, do y'all disagree with what he said? And they was like, majority of them was like, no. Because at the end of the day, we still got to go home to our families. Who want to give that to their kids, their grandmothers? We live, we are, we're black. We're Hispanic. I'm from Honduras. I'm a black Honduran American. You understand? Mm -hmm. So you got to understand, we live differently than the, than white people. In a one-family house, in a, in a white household, it might be one family. In a two-bedroom apartment in the hood, it might be seven people, mm -hmm. three generations. A grandmother, a grandfather, a, a, a daughter and a son, and then a son and a daughter, and then the kids got kids in there. So this is why we get infected more than the other people. So you can't tell me in the beginning of this pandemic when they first said that people had underlying illnesses that they didn't know that people would catch these diseases. They knew that we would suffer the most because common sense tells you that in our neighborhoods that we grow up in, every single person lives with several people in these small apartments and NYCHA housing and all of that. So when they tell people, yo, go home and don't come out, you just infected the whole family. Mm. You understand? So this is how a whole bunch of people end up dying and grandmothers in the black neighborhood gets, um, gets it the worst because who has these jobs? Who has the correction officer jobs? Who has the, the jobs in the, in the hospital? A whole bunch of West Indians and Hispanics. You understand? So who's going to bring that back home? living three generations deep. I'm from Honduras. Most Hondurans live about 15 people in a one-bedroom apartment. That's a fact. You understand? That's not no joke. So you can't tell me that they didn't know. So my thing is this. Don't ever insult my intelligence. Thank they you for mad anything. Secure us. Goodbye. So if you guys made it this far, um, thank you. Make sure you uh, subscribe to and, and, and use the services um, from my sponsor uh so during the conversation me and tax were uh briefly um cut off he called back um i'm not sure what happened with the audio it may seem to be a little lower but i just wanted to give you guys that heads up but the conversation is still powerful um nonetheless so um what you will hear next is the rest of the conversation with myself and tax stone this is a free call from and inmate at New York City Department of Correction. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. Yo, I got you back, beloved. Yeah. So like I was saying, 
the black and Hispanic families, we live on top of each other. The majority of us that are from the hood, the people are outside every day, not because um, they want to be outside, it's because they have uncomfortable living situations. So now that you're forced to be inside this house in this global pandemic, everyone gets infected if you're infected. You might be strong enough to take it, but the grandmother might not be. The baby might not be. Someone else might not be. You might not be. But the point is, is that you can't tell me that they didn't know that this would affect us the most if they knew that we had the most ailments. You understand? Mm. And we have the most social, uh, we have the most social uh, nomers against us as well. Yeah, exactly. And just like I said, like in our in our in our communities, demographic, we literally live on top of each other. Whereas the other people in this in this um, state or borough, wherever, they live separately. They they don't live on top of each other. They actually have separate houses. The other house is almost fifty yards away. Where us, we we share a driveway. We you understand? It's just so much reasons that we would have caught it faster, and they knew. They can't tell me that they're shocked by all of this. That's why I get so mad at the people who post dumb shit on Instagram, like, oh, because of your melanin, you're not gonna like quit the bullshit. This is wrong with the dumb black people, like the group of dumb blacks. I think we need to remove them, and a lot of them are educated blacks, and that's the problem. That's that the scary. Uneducated. That's the scary during part. These moments. Yeah, just coming up. Where the fuck? Who came up with that? The like, whole, who came up with the whole time? You know melanin? that. Huh? That the whole types came up with that. You know that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Those ashy bitches got to relax. Like <laughs> they got to chill. Like, I think that's the scariest. So I've always I said. I like them. I like the plant based pussy and all that. I like them <laughs> chicks too. But what I'm saying is that y'all got to relax sometimes. Y'all got to stop it. Like, I think yeah, we black, we powerful, but guess what? It's a lot of shit we can't be. You understand? I, th- I think that's and, the uh, that's the scariest part about them, right? That's the scariest part about these. Uh, really really smart dumb black people the whole types and things of that nature because it's like i was telling my dad yesterday um when we was talking even talking about like umar or somebody it's like the scariest part is that everything they say is rooted in some type of truth which is always the most dangerous thing because with the right with the right mouthpiece pause it can always be perverted into something worse so yeah you know i love umar right i love that dude you know, I, I was doing a live show in Philly, and Umar was supposed to be on the show. He hit me and said, yo, bro, you're charging the people too much. I think I was charging $40 a ticket. I said, well, this is what I charge. I'm an entertainer. Like, he said, well, we don't charge our people more than $20. I said, who's we? He said, me and my team. I said, well, this is my show, and I charge the people $40. I got to pay rent, nigga. I'm from the streets. You understand? Know mm-hmm. And he says, well, we're not going to be able to do the show unless you change it. I said, well, a weaver dirty, nigga. <laughs> now, the day before the show, he hits me and says, well, I spoke to my team, and we've come to this common ground, and we think we could do it as long as you split the bill with us. I said, oh, this is what this was about, Dr. Umar. You wanted a piece of my change. You wanted me to pay you. I have never paid anyone to be on my show. I don't know what you're talking about, beloved. And that's when I had to really start really analyzing everything that Dr. Umar said and had to realize that this dude is not completely who he say he is. He's not completely for the people. He's a capitalist just like most of us. I'm a capitalist. I love money, but I'm here to educate my people at the same time. Now, when you're trying to sit there and try to act like you don't want to make money and it's not about that, then what is it about? But see, the thing is, I can't teach for free. Mm. You understand? I got to eat. I got to pay bills. You I understand? Can't teach I, for still, free. I still like crab cakes from Del Frisco. Like them shit's cause. 
You understand? So you telling me to only charge the people twenty dollars because that's what you do. You understand? But I'm telling you, I'm an entertainer, bro. I entertain and I educate. You understand? I'm a comedian. I like cracking jokes. People come to see me and laugh, and they come to get some jewels at the same time. For you, they're coming to get complete education. Whatever you decide to charge them is what you decide to charge them. But this dude tells me that he wants to split the bill the day before, and that's how I ended up just doing state property when I went to Philly that time and Dr. Umar didn't come on because I just was like, this dude is a fraud. You know what I mean? How does it, uh, and I, because I do it, I do these interviews in these spaces now, I hate to get salacious, but you know, it, it, the question is this, like, how do you, how do you deal with like public, um, public falling, not public falling outs, but yeah, public falling outs and disappointments from people that once showed themselves loyal or you showed yourself loyal to such as a, a the nori and, and uh such a the noriega situation uh, or even going back as far as the, the 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 bk title wave lady like how do you deal with that in there well you know zenobia bk title wave her name is zenobia zenobia is um bipolar and schizophrenic so i don't really pay that any mind like, anybody that's around my team, they know how I move. I'm always there to help my friends, and I was there to help her. I was actually trying to get her her own podcast, you understand? The thing is, is that she wasn't really mental, mentally stable enough to do so, so it never happened. So when I hear she saying things like, I was using her and shit like that, yeah, I was using you, and you was using me. That's what we're supposed to do in life. It's a use-use thing. We just don't misuse each other. I never misused you. Never. You understand? I'm paying for that woman cabs to come from Yonkers to go sub dick in Brooklyn. I had nothing to do with that. I'm not her pimp. But I did it because I felt like, yo, that's my homegirl. I got her. You know what I mean? So I don't care about that type of shit. I've had fallen out to many people. I love Nori. I don't hate Nori. You know, I was mad at him when it first happened because I didn't understand it. Because I felt like, you know, Nori was a street dude. He would never give someone a platform to say I'm guilty for a crime. You know what I mean? That he's trying to, like, get out of because, you know, he did whatever he did. Like, I didn't think that Nori would do anything like that, so it kind of took me for a loop. But I still love Nori. I don't hate Nori. I really love Nori's personality. I love the energy Nori brings. You know what I mean? I really don't hate that dude. I can't even act like I do. I don't got no beef with Nori. I'm not going to try to fight Nori when I see him. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't even care. I just keep it moving in life. You know what I mean? I'm not a weak person. One thing with people that's around me, like, I know the energy that I bring. I know what I try to do for my friends. I know that I'm always supportive. And when they don't support me back, I'm never mad at them because I know that I'm a prize. I know that I'm a rare breed. And when you're a rare breed, you can't mad, be mad at other people for not being rare. Rare is rare. So it's like when you know you're rare, you can't be mad at everybody else for not being like you. So I'm not mad at Nori. I'm not mad at BK Title Wave. I'm not mad at anybody else I might have fell out with. I might be disappointed in some of their decisions. I might be confused with some of their decisions. But they don't owe me an explanation. I don't even care. Right now, I'm fighting for my life. When you're fighting for your life, you expect people to help you. Just like I said, if you're hanging from a cliff, you expect somebody to put their hand out and help you. You don't expect them to look down at you and ask you if you need help. You understand? So... I don't really mind. I don't care for that. I'm not a weak man, you know what I mean? Just like I said, I was mad at Nori at the moment. I'm not even mad anymore. I still love the dude. I don't even got no beef with him, you know what I mean? Are you um, are you able to separate... Or I know you are, because obviously you, you've survived these past three years. I'll ask how. How do you separate You know your mind state when you're in there 
from those places that you might mentally go to where you do feel free, where you're mentally free? Yeah, I'm always free, man. Like, I'm like, I'm never really, I'm getting, um, I'm getting like 10 minute states of depression and then it's over. It's over because what I do is, what I do is I, I, I say the serenity prayer. The serenity prayer is one of the greatest prayers ever. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even too religious. I just feel like it's real. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. If everybody understood that clearly, they wouldn't dwell on things that they can't change. They would dwell on the things that they know they can change. They would just fix it. When you know you can't change something, you don't think about that shit forever. I feel like that's a mental disorder. When you're sitting there knowing you can't change something, like you can't change the white to black, you can't change the black to white, but you're sitting here trying to figure it out. It's never been done. Relax. Calm down. Move on. You understand what I'm saying? It's that simple for me. So I don't really go through certain people go through in here. Just like when I wrote that letter, I was in a state where I felt like they just didn't care about us at all. But I really wrote that for the other people that was around me because I seen how they felt. I seen the calls that they were getting. I seen the chaplain coming in here telling them, yo, your mother just died. Your brother just called. Your father just died. Your grandfather just died. You understand? I just watched one of the strongest people I know lose both of her parents. I don't even know if she put it out there, but I'm going to put it out there because I love her so much and I see how strong she is. That's a fact. Star Brim just lost both her parents in two weeks. Our prayers are with Star Brim. That's a fact. In two weeks. You understand? And people don't understand what it is to lose your parents. You know what I mean? I don't know what it is to lose both my parents. I lost my father, but I know I will be broken up to lose my mother. And when I watch somebody lose both their parents like that, and they still standing on both their feet, and they're going through what they're going through mm-hmm. right now with the law, I always got to respect them, respect their strength, and admire them, and study them, because everyone needs that strength. Everyone has to study that type of strength. You understand? Because it takes strength to do that. I know people that kill themselves for less. I've been in jail. I've seen people hang themselves. I've seen people attempt to take their lives. So with certain things that I always got to salute and I always got to respect. You know what I mean? That's a fact. Um, also, I just want to take the time to salute that uh, salute Starbrim as well. Um, my prayers and thoughts at quarantine night leave. Just me and Mouse Jones as your friend. Um, my prayers is with you. Um, but that that brings me to, to something else. You know, uh, I we we we've had these conversations. Um, I've spoke to other people about this. The, just the strength of black women. The strength of black women always be there. Always have to stand tall for us. What? How, how have you seen that personally with being locked up? Man, like I always tell people in history, you've never really seen loyalty in men. There's always very few. You know, when you're on a visit floor, the majority of people that's on that visit floor are women. Even when women are in jail, you can ask Star Brim, you can ask a Remy Martin, they'll tell you there's women on the floor visiting the women. It's not usually men. So when you find loyal men, you have to respect it. But these women are so strong because they're willing to take so much on. They got to deal with disrespectful black men. They got to deal with white men who are disrespectful. They got to deal with a whole bunch of people. They got to deal with white women who don't think black women are queens. So they got to deal with way more than us. Even though the black man has to deal with a lot, the women have to deal with a lot. They got to deal with us, and us is enough. You know what I mean? So I always I always respect black women, and I, I love black women. I got so many black women in my corner, and I feel like that's why I'm strong. I was raised by a whole bunch of women. I always tell people that I wasn't raised by men. 
I was raised by really no men at all. Like, later on in life, there was men that took me on and, and gave me school and Pee Wee Kirkland, you know what I mean? Right, right. Certain people, you know what I mean, that really gave me school and in life. Charlemagne is one of my rabbis, you know what I mean? That's one of my rabbis right there. Right. Jay-Z raised me through my life. I never met him until I was an adult, you know what I mean? But the school that he gave us through the music and his actions is what raised me, you understand? So... It's certain things when it comes to women that I feel like, yo, you got to respect black women. Look what they got to deal with. Like, look what black women are dealing with right now. You got a whole bunch of black women that suffering from identity crisis right now. They 36 years old and they get to that age where the titties is dropping and the ass is dropping. And niggas is only paying attention to the 19-year-old bartenders who just got their work done. Mm. These women is going crazy right now. They, they got to go get the titties fixed, the teeth fixed. <laughs> they going to Dr. Montoya in Columbia, going to spend that six grand on their teeth. You understand? And I understand it. But I'm like, yo, people don't understand the battle that they fighting. They fight in a battle and don't even know it. You know what I mean? They fight in a battle to be accepted. I speak to my girl and she's always telling me, oh, y'all always idolizing Spanish women and this, that, and the third. I'm like, listen, I like Spanish women. I like black women. I like some white women. I even like some Asian women now. You know, being in jail, you know, you start to like more and more women, regardless of what they are. You know what I mean? The wise man by the name of Paul the Star once said, if you don't eat pussy, you suck dick. You know what I mean? So, along my quest, you know what I mean, being in jail, I start to appreciate more and more things about women. Like, I really start looking at ankles and elbows, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, you just start appreciating things. Like, I started appreciating eyes because of these masks. I'm like, damn, I didn't even know you had nice eyes if you had to put that N95 on. You know what I mean? So, man, women, women as a whole, especially black women, I got to appreciate them. And I just feel like women as a whole have, one have been left. disrespected through time, you know what I mean, for years. You know what I mean? Like, actually, I'm going to call you back on the next call. I'm going to call you back right now. Yeah, that's a fact. The caller. <coughs> Hello, this is a free call from an inmate at New York City Department of Correction. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. Yo, I got you. Yeah. Yeah, like I was going to say, like, you know, a conversation that I had with Jay-Z, he made me realize that um, he said, yo, like women through the whole world have always been treated and beneath life, you know what I mean? Mm. Even in, in the United States of America, they allowed black men to vote before they even allowed white women to vote. You know what I mean? And that's one of the reasons that feminism started, you know what right, I mean? Because right. the, the white woman's like, response to black yeah. men being able to vote. Right, absolutely. Yeah, it was like, yo, how the hell y'all allowing black men to vote? Y'all ain't even allow us to vote. That's when they start clicking up with the black women, and the black women kind of got it confused. You know, well, the black men ain't say nothing about you couldn't vote. It was their choice. They right. said, none of y'all can vote, but we can vote. You know what I mean? And this is when they start coming up with the whole thing about black men badging and not. We honored our women. We was protecting our women in the communities. You understand what I'm saying? But even if you look at the whole world, like Saudi Arabia, where they just allow women to drive, certain things like that you know what i mean it's sad it's sad even when i when i think back to when i was younger the things that i thought women were hoes over and certain behaviors that i always ostracized like oh that's wrong look at what she's doing what i realized is that it, it, it came from a weak man it was weak nigga tendencies that taught me that 
So now I, I, I celebrate women so much. I love when they just be in themselves because so many women would like to be themselves, but they living in a cage. This mm. is why Cardi B has such a big following because Cardi B is herself. She gets on there and says, yeah, I'm the best dick sucker. And there's women that would like to say that, but they feel like if they say that, it's going to be a group of men pointing the finger at them saying, you're not supposed to say that. Women don't do that. The thing is, is that women are just like us. We all human. Women can do whatever the fuck they want to do. Mm. And that's where we get things confused at and start feeling like, oh, no, women are supposed to do this and men are supposed to do this. Just like I said, if we're going to have equal rights, let's have equal rights. Next time it's snow, baby, you go out there and shovel the snow. I'm sitting here and cook, you heard? Mm. <laughs> so if, we, if we're going to be equal, you know what I mean? So so the, the thing is, is this, just like I said, like, you know, like at the end of the day, we we gotta respect that. It's some look at the one. Look at Amber Rose, for instance. Mm-hmm. Amber Rose continuously gets wife. She has something called the slut walk. You know why? Because men see strength in her. They see the strength in her being herself. They see the strength in her not caring. It's a weakness when you're trying to hide who you really are. It's a mask you're wearing. Six nine is stronger than all these dudes, regardless of him snitching. I don't agree with him cooperating with the with the government on those guys, but he's stronger than everyone out there. You know why? Because he doesn't care about they. I just wrote a letter today. I'm gonna post it on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's a letter about they. It's about how people always talking about they. And Wale inspired this letter. He DM'd me and I said, Yo, man, I'm so happy, man, that you dropped that hit. He said, yo, you know, they've been trying to keep me out for a minute. That he always say that. Back. Every time I, I talk to him, he said they. they? <laughs> yeah. I said, who the fuck is they, nigga? I don't care about they. They don't help you pay the bills. They don't help you wipe your ass. They, didn't, they not going to help you pay for your funeral. They just are spectators. And I just wrote a letter about they just to put that out there to the world. Because so many people care about they, and they don't really exist. They don't even know who themselves are. These people are suffering from identity crisis. They know exactly who you are, and they're trying to tell you how to move through your whole life. You know what I mean? I was a part of they one time in my life. I hated Kobe Bryant, not because Kobe wasn't great, but because he was great. Mm. He was annihilating the Knicks. I hated Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan annihilated the Knicks, and I was a Knicks fan. I was a part of they. If they would have listened to me, they would have lost. You understand? Mm. So this is why I always tell people, you cannot be paying attention to these groups of people who spectating from the nosebleeds with binoculars telling you how to play the game when they never even trained to play the game. And they never will be in the game. You know what I mean? Drake says something in a rap where he said, boys tell stories about the man. Yep. And that's one of the strongest phrases I've ever heard, because that's all boys do is tell stories about men. You understand? They talk about men that's doing way more than them. Right. People that accomplished more, and they telling them they're doing it wrong, or they didn't do it right. Well, what did you do right? What did you not do right that you can't do nothing right? You understand? Mm. So I always feel like even with being a critic, we always got to point the finger back at ourselves. Absolutely. What am I good at? Let me be great at this. Let me be great at something. As like I said, spend some time during this quarantine to get great at something. Because when I'm in jail, my mom might float around a little while, but when I get in the box and I get in solitary confinement... I think of the greatest ideas. I start writing more. I pitch it out to the world. Right now, they got me in a unit called the Enhanced Supervision Unit. I don't even know why the fuck I'm here. You know what I mean? <laughs> what, what, what? Explain that to the people. What, what, what's, uh, what's, what's that classification unit? Well, this is like it's four officers in the house. Um, we get to lock out. Uh, we lock in at one o'clock, and then we come out the next day 
at one o'clock. And okay. the top tier gets to come out during that point. And I'm on the bottom tier. We come out from one to one, and then they get to come out from one to one too. Like it's it's some weird shit. And they watch you. They pat you down when you come out your cell. It's a whole bunch of extra goofy shit that Rikers Island made up for no reason. I think it was just a way to give more correctional officers some jobs because there's too many of them and there's not enough prisoners. Mm -hmm. So they got four COs in the house, you know what I mean? But the thing is, is that what I've realized is that I can never stop being me, you know? Um, They said that I was the reason that the protest happened in the feds when there was a blackout over there for a week. You know what I mean? They said I reached out to people and then a whole bunch of people came and protested. I said, yeah, that shit don't even make no sense. <laughs> even though I did reach out to people. The point is, is that motherfucker, y'all had a blackout when it was two degrees outside and had no heat on and wearing metal cells with metal walls. That's like being in a refrigerator. Mm-hmm. You understand? Then y'all wasn't even giving us extra blankets. How y'all mad at me for something y'all did? They was mad at me for having a voice and able to get and being able to get it out there. So, you know, right now, I don't care what happens to me. I'm still going to use my voice and whatever they decide to do with me, they decide to do with me. I'm not going to worry about the punishment anymore because because that happened over there. I was in the box for about eight months. I didn't have no contact. There. I had no visits at all. They took my visits completely and everything because of that. Because I stood up and, and gave my voice out. You because know what I mean? you spoke I, on what they or what the lack of their effort in there. That's and you yeah, were punished. Exactly, and that's what's always going to happen to me. What I've realized is that my opinions are always going to punish me. But as long as I help somebody, I'm cool with that. Punishment doesn't really affect me. Punishment is for other people. I always told people I used to. I had fights with people in my neighborhood. A lot of people, a lot of them, don't want to fight me again, even if they won the fight. Because I gave them a good fight. You mm-hmm. understand? Mm-hmm. Even if they won, they don't want to fight again. See, punishment goes like this. I slap your hand, you don't do it again. You slap my hand, I do it again. You slap my hand, I do it again. Your punishment means nothing to me. Mm. If I feel that something is right and I feel it is just, that's what I'm going with. We all have laws. The state has laws. The feds have laws. People have their own laws. I have my own laws of nature. If every time someone's attack you and you don't protect yourself, you know what happens to you? You, you die. You, die. <laughs> you end up on a t-shirt and everybody's saying rest in peace and all this other shit. And then they cry and then they want to put candles up every day. And then they want to have a basketball game for you and a barbecue. Well, I'm not ready to have a basketball game. I'm not ready to have a barbecue. I'm not ready for nobody to light no candles for me. You know what I mean? Are you? So I got to live by my laws. Are you worried at all about coming home and how the the world's going to look post COVID now. Because when you went in, obviously the world was gonna be different when you came when you came home. But even like even like you said, the biggest thing to worry about was what people were gonna have the same furniture, just different outfits. But now we're we're dealing in a post COVID world when you get out of there. Are you at all worried about that? No, I'm not worried about any of that. Like being worried is for worried people, and I'm not worried. You know what I mean? I'm in here right now. I'm fighting for my life, and I'm not worried. You understand? I'm not worried. I'm prepared. I feel the proper preparation prevents poor performance. That's what they taught me in school. That's one thing that I've learned. You know what I mean? And you got to prepare. You know, it's a lot of people right now that's not making money because of this, or they they go and they went broke because of it. But if you went broke because of two months of not work, you was going to go broke anyway. Mm. So that's what people got to understand because they didn't prepare. 
you know, I read a book called Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki years ago. And he said that, yo, in a world pandemic or like anything that happens, a war or anything, the government owns your money. So they'll be able to tell you, hey, we're not letting you get that money out the bank. It's ours until further notice. And then they give you an IOU. This is why a lot of Jews, the Jews run the banking systems, right? If I grew up in Star City, I lived out there for 10 years and there was a lot of Russian Jews out there. Mm-hmm. Every time they died, it was 200000 in our apartment. 150000 I'm like, why the fuck these old people got all this money? I think because <laughs> they understood the banking system. I called Ben Baller um, when this stuff first started because I'm like, let me reach out to all my Asian friends. And they said, the Asians is hit with this hard. So I hit Ben Ball up and I say, yo, you good out there? He's like, yo, man, I'm good out here. You know, I got a hundred guns in the house. I'm good. <laughs> Boom. So then he says, yo, man, I went to the bank the other day and they wouldn't let me take out more than $2,000. And I said, damn. I remember reading this before in a book where he said, man, don't put all your money in the bank because you don't own your money. Mm. In crisis, they'll take your money and tell you, yo, we just going to holler back at you when everything get right. You know what I mean? So just like I said, you got to prepare. You got to prepare for everything out here. You can't allow these people to tell you what to do with your life completely. Because then you become a slave. You're a slave to the system. You can't become a slave to the system because you'll never be free. You know what I mean? Mm. So look at the people right now that's out there that's going through whatever they might be going through. It's because they probably a slave to the system. They listen to everything that these people told them instead of listening to themselves. You letting you allowing these groups of people insult your intelligence. I'm not gonna allow these people to insult my intelligence. I refuse to. Every time I speak in here, they look at me like I'm dumb. And mm. I be looking at them like, damn you dumb. <laughs> damn you dumb. Are, are you, I earned my intelligence. You're not going to soak them. Are you are you uh, upset that you're missing out on these battles? Oh, I, I love those battles. I've been, like, hearing some of it on the radio here and there, like, what's been going on. I, I, I love that. Like, I, I love that, you know, just, just cultural shit. You know what I mean? I think that more people should do it. You know, I feel like, you know, people got a fear of losing. And this of is course. why I know these people not prepared for the earth, because you fear to lose. There's nothing wrong with losing. A temporary loss is nothing. That's why I keep telling you, like, you could beat me. I'm going to get back up. We're going to fight again. It's nothing. But these people don't live like that. Their losses really hurt them. Losses kill them inside. It's like that. You know what I mean? Like, nothing's wrong with losing, and they refuse to do it even friendly because they don't want to expose their own hand. They don't want people to see that they really don't have what they've been bragging about in these raps. You really don't got that many hits. You really don't got that many jams. You know what I mean? What's a battle you want to see? Um, I want to see Fifty Cent Ja Rule. Come on, look, you just all right, man. We was doing so well. Now you starting? Yeah, I want to see that. Like, why not? Ja Rule has some joints. If if Fifty Cent go, if Fifty go against Ja Rule, Ja Rule gonna win. Because why would Fifty take this battle? He won in real life. Yeah, I guess (laughs) he won in real life. But if you go on song for song, listen, 50 got some shit. 50 got smoke. This nigga dropped about three great albums or something, right? Yeah. He got G-Unit. Ja Rule dropped some shit, too, at Mad Hits. Ja Rule wrote a lot of stuff. 50 wrote a lot of stuff. I feel like that's the fairest battle out of hip-hop, unless you want to go like a Kanye versus Drake or something, and nobody really can smoke Drake either. Nah, no. I mean, probably Hov. That's about it. Yeah, but like, who's going to go against him? Like, it would have to yeah. be Hov's whole catalog against Drake's last 10 year catalog because this yeah. boy ain't stopped moving since he came out and it will also be like the Drake Hove conversation it would definitely be uh, I always tell people when they ask me I'm like it would depend on the crowd like 
Drake and Hope do that, it's gonna be half a Billy in in the chat, and you gotta hope that the culture is in there for Jay Z to get around. Because you know the kids, Man, the kids gonna go Drake. It's all fun and games. It's all fair at the end of the day. There ain't nobody gonna lose in life because of this. It's not no real rap battle. You're not gonna lose no fans because of this. You know what I mean? Like Meek lost fans when Drake dissed him. You know what I mean? Right. He had to revive himself over the years and gain his footing back. Battles will really hurt you. Those types of innocent battles, those ain't about nothing, man. Like, that ain't about nothing. That's just showing people, yo, I got some jams, he got some jams, and oh, I feel like he got more jams. You know what I mean? It's innocent. Like, I feel like this is going to help a lot of people, if anything, like Scott Storch and Manny Fresh. This going to help them, if anything. That's a fact. That's a fact. Well, look, OG, I, I, I know it's getting close. I appreciate you, uh, you know, taking time out your day to, to come chop it up with, with me. I appreciate everything you did for me. Um, And, you know, I'm going to keep waving the Be Safe Though flag till, till it's free tax on, till it's backwards. Exactly, beloved. Be safe, though, man. Appreciate you, man. Love you and hold your head out there and just keep working, nigga. Keep innovating and keep showing these old suckers that they don't deserve their jobs and remove them. You know what the mission always was. That's the a fact. new world order. That's a fact. I'll talk to you soon. Be safe, though. The caller has hung up.